It's likely, I think, that scope one and scope two will be required for publicly listed companies. Scope three may get watered down, which would be unfortunate, again, given that it constitutes the bulk of GHG emissions uh, footprints. Welcome to the Entrepreneurs for Impact podcast, where I interview climate tech CEOs and investors and talk about business strategy, capital raising, investment criteria, lessons learned, book recommendations, productivity habits, career advice, and lots more. I'm your host, Chris Wedding. And if you want to bring more attention to the CEOs and investor guests on our show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This is the number one way to help more listeners discover their insights. Before we get started, here's a message from our sponsors. Just kidding. I, I don't take sponsors for the podcast. But did you know that 100,000 plus CEOs belong to CEO peer groups? If that makes you feel a little FOMO, then you're in luck. I have the privilege of leading North America's top peer group community for growth stage CEOs, founders, and investors in climate tech, clean energy, and sustainability. Today's members are creating billions of dollars of market value and millions of tons of greenhouse gas reductions and lots of other positive benefits. With monthly group meetings, annual retreats, and one-on-one executive coaching calls, our members help each other boost revenue, impact, capital raised, clarity, confidence, work-life balance, and team effectiveness. Go to entrepreneursforimpact.com to join the waiting list today. All right, let's get started. Howdy, folks. Good morning. And again, hope you're taking some time to, to rest and recharge during the holidays. Uh, let's see. Let's let's hop in again. We're doing a version of our newsletter and Entrepreneurs for Impact turned into audio uh, for for the holiday season here. And if you would like to dig into the links and so forth and related uh, posts in our newsletter, you can check it out at uh, Substack, of course, or on our website, entrepreneursforimpact.com. I'm going to go through four topics today. The first is a report on climate investing for family offices, a less well understood source of, of capital, really a source of impact, making a difference in climate solutions getting scale. Number two, a point of view, what, what climate tech software means for an $80 billion VC investor, which many in climate have not heard of before. Number three, a mental model called Halen's Razor, which basically says don't assume the worst. There's more to that, of course. Number four, something on mental fitness, which is question a Buddhist teacher that I like that I likes to ask, which is, what is the feeling you're unwilling to feel and what might you learn by answering that, um, that question? All right. First story here, a report on climate investing for family offices. By the way, I think most folks listening know what a family office is. Uh, essentially, it's, it's a, a platform, a team usually, for managing the assets, the wealth uh, of a family. Maybe the family has made that wealth in the current generation, recently, even if you will, or perhaps it's a multi-generational uh, family office. And that can include all sorts of asset classes or strategies, which usually don't look alike. And, and many frustrated founders have been known to say something like, 
if you've met one family office, then you've only met one family office, which is only to say, at least for those founders trying to raise capital from family offices, there's no playbook, right? They all have different kind of sectors of expertise. Perhaps that's where they they made their wealth, or perhaps it's areas that are 180, 180 degrees uh, from that. Maybe it's areas they've kind of gained a new passion for or seen opportunity in that don't relate to where they've been. Risk tolerances can be very different as well, et cetera, et cetera. It's also very hard to find and understand ultimately if your company aligns with their investment interest. Thankfully, there is a new report from CREO, that's C-R-E-O, which is called The Fundamentals of Climate Investing for Families. It helps demystify things by describing five archetypes of families' journeys into climate investing. And really, it's it's written for the families, not so much for founders seeking to align their company's solutions with families' capital. But I think it can serve both purposes to to some degree. But again, mostly written for those families. And I, I would just call out pages 17 through 27, which are, I mean, just really amazing and insightful. They highlight things like how families measure impact, that is really beyond just the investment return, how they think about risks so what the risk profile would be, how the percentage of overall assets under management or AUM is factored into how they invest in climate sector and asset class focuses within climate financial return expectations as well. And then a sixth bucket here, family alignment and control. So kind of governance around how they allocate capital. It's full of helpful infographics, tables, et cetera. And I pulled out one that I that I post in the newsletter here, which describes the five archetypes for these families that I'll just kind of read maybe a quote for how they would think about describing themselves. One could be called the carve-out archetype, which says, look, I want some exposure to climate. So maybe they're going to allocate a percentage of total assets under management to climate-related activities with clear impact and investing goals. So that's number one. Number two could be referred to as a specialist. That's a specialist archetype. And their quote could be, I have a particular passion or expertise in a sector or asset class related to climate. So maybe they would allocate a percentage of AUM to a specific subsector or asset class of climate investing with particular impact or investing goals. Number two, they call an innovator archetype, which says, quote unquote, I had to create my own product to achieve the impact I sought or to maximize my own contribution to climate. So innovators develop investment products, platforms, and services that engage other investors in a specific product, platform, or service to reach their goals as it relates to climate investing. Fourth archetype category is decarbonizer. Quote, unquote, I need to decarbonize my operating business, maybe in a hard-to-abate sector. Think uh, steel, concrete, chemicals, etc. Decarbonizers, as they say, to deploy GHG-reducing strategies within an operating business to meet a specific emission reduction goal over time. The fifth archetype they they create, they list out, is, is uh, described by this quote here, I want to align for impact and returns across all 
my entities and assets. So as you might guess, this aligner archetype is the least common, but hopefully where many families, I mean, frankly, many asset managers are are heading. And they go on to to describe this as a defined strategy to align all investing and activities such as shareholder engagement, philanthropy, and policy across total financial and were applicable operating assets to achieve specific financial and impact goals over time. Anyway, I'm doing this report a grave injustice by, by only covering this one particular graphic, but hopefully you're teased enough to go check it out. There's a link, of course, in this newsletter. And thanks to uh, Jason Scott, co-chair at Creo, also partner at Spring Lane Capital and, and a fellow fellow climate finance adventurer for at least 17 years that we've been chatting about kind of what's next in climate finance. Anyway, he was able to share this report uh, with me and therefore I could share it with, um, with all of you all. Uh, post number two, a point of view, what climate tech software means for an $80 billion VC investor. So recently I chatted with Madeline Goldberg, an investor at Insight Partners, about the influence of climate tech on their portfolio, which I think they would describe as much a horizontal cutting across the other, say, enterprise software companies they would invest in, as well as perhaps a, a new a new vertical they're exploring in more depth. The report is a great summary of their thinking. It's called De-Risking Climate Change with Software Opportunities, Challenges, and Resources for Innovation. It's a really long and, and super Super data-driven report. I'll just call out one excerpt, which helps us think about how legislative updates, such as the one I'm going to describe, will make thousands of additional companies not in climate tech care more about climate tech. So here's the here's the excerpt. Some of you have been following this kind of news. It says while the U.S. SEC, so Securities and Exchange Commission, while the U.S. SEC's upcoming climate disclosure rules have not been finalized yet. California lawmakers passed the first U.S. mandatory GHG emissions disclosure bill in September of this year, which would require about 5,000 companies earning over a billion dollars annually to report not only their GHG emissions that are direct, but also scope three or indirect emissions, think coming from employee business travel, or upstream supply chain activities. And I'll just add, given that we have scope one, scope two, scope three, GHG emissions, scope one, scope two, at easiest to measure for sure, but those make up, I don't know, depending on your source, maybe 15 to 25% of companies total GHG emissions, scope three being the kind of the portion of the iceberg, if you will, under the water, super hard to measure usually, though there are companies, well, there are many companies out there in the climate tech software space looking to make that easier, such as Optera, a new company I'm getting to know in that space. But anyway, they're also, this California bill also uh, expecting companies to report on scope three. And I'll continue to elaborate here. The SEC GHG disclosure rule, which is proposed right now, lots of pushback on how that, or if I say if or how that becomes a, an actual rule. It's likely, I think, that Scope 1 and Scope 2 will be required for publicly listed companies. Scope 3 may get watered down, which would be unfortunate, again, given that it constitutes the bulk of GHG 
emissions uh, footprints. Anyway, end of excerpt, just one example of what you may learn from how they think about the impact uh, of macro trends influencing either climate tech as a horizontal for an investment portfolio or for a new vertical. And it's that little old $80 billion number, as in the assets they manage, plus or minus. If that caught your attention, which I'm sure it did if you're, if you're a founder, then you'll also want to know that they invest in a pretty flexible structure all the way from Series A investments, think 10 or 15 million bucks per, uh, per check, all the way up to $100 million plus later stage growth rounds and majority control transactions. So anyway, check out the report and check out uh, Insight Partners for a new name, perhaps in climate tech investing. Post number three is a mental model called Helen's Razor, which basically says don't assume the worst. And if you if that sounds familiar, there are some other quote-unquote razors out there, Occam's Razor, which I believe says the simplest solution is often the correct solution. It's more complicated than that. But anyway, in the newsletter, I described the following. I was uh, preparing my MBA students at UNC Chapel Hill to travel to Ethiopia some years ago for a social entrepreneurship consulting course where we were engaging with an off-grid solar leader called uh, D-Light, that's D period light. And my fellow UNC professor, Tim Flood, gave the following sage advice. In summary, when you encounter ambiguity, uncertainty in language or culture, assume the best, which is, of course, not assuming the worst. By the way, great trip. We took two of these trips to Ethiopia with with teams of MBA students, as well as going to uh, to India to work with another off-grid solar company, Greenlight Planet. Amazing experiences with folks, way, way off the grid uh, in, in both countries. And, and obviously, the, the life-changing impacts of, of off-grid solar. Anyway, I digress. Halen's Razor is a variant of Tim Flood's advice to assume the best. And it requires really a rewiring of our internal voices and, unfortunately, humanity's negativity bias as it relates to this uh, this internal chatter we have running most of the time. It says, this is Hanlon's razor, it says, never attribute to malice that which can be adequately explained by neglect. And I think we can add on to that. In addition to something being explained by neglect, Maybe it could be explained by incompetency or lack of preparation or a very long list of non-nefarious, non-negative reasons why someone did something or said something which is not about a negative intent. They're not out to get you, right? Anyway, the the takeaway is assume the best, of course, in parentheses, unless you really know a person or company is actually out to get you, which is which is pretty rare, I um, I hope. Okay, the last host here I'll go through. This is on the topic of mental fitness. And it says, what is the feeling that you're unwilling to feel? I go on, look, we, we all wear metaphorical horse blinders or football pads, trying to avoid hard conversations or maybe painful memories from the past. But if we answer this question honestly, maybe, and I'm no therapist, but but I'm channeling a version of one, maybe we find the growth that we're seeking, right? 
Growth comes in uncomfortable areas. This teaching comes from a Buddhist teacher and contender for the most calming voice ever recorded on a podcast, Tara Brock. I would encourage you to check out her podcast at Tara Brock or her website or her Buddhist um, sessions. I believe she's in a, in a D.C. Uh, area or retreats, perhaps. Anyway, a question one of her teachers posed to her is one she brings forth often on her podcast, which which I listen to often in the early morning before the sun rises. And the question is, what is the feeling you're unwilling to feel? By the way, this this can relate as much to our personal lives, I believe, as to what's happening inside of our company or with the kind of trajectory of our company as well. All right, folks, that's it. Again, a reminder and encouragement for us all to be uh, taking time to not be working at least a portion of the time and honestly not be just spending quality time with family and and food and doing dishes during the holiday season, but, but carving out time for some reflection to make for a much better 2024. All right, y'all, take care. Thanks for listening. And if you want more intel on climate tech, better habits, and deep work, then join the thousands of others who subscribe to our Substack newsletter at entrepreneursforimpact.com or drop me a note on LinkedIn. All right, that's all, y'all. Take care.